Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So we're continuing our series, uh, Move, looking at God's heart of compassion. We started this last week looking at the whole topic of, of self-compassion, being kind to ourselves, speaking kindly to ourselves. If you missed that talk, you can catch up on YouTube. I wanted to start this week, though. Did anybody have? Um, did anybody do something this week where they failed or they didn't do as well as they thought and they spoke kindly to themselves? Did anybody change the way they did it? Darling, do you want to come and tell us what it was? Oh, no, that was a trap. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, anonymise. Okay, this might seem really small to a lot of you, but those who know me well know how much I love to cook and bake right from scratch. Anyway, we were hosting Life Group for Gavin and Kirsten while they're away last week, and I really, really wanted to make homemade cake, really wanted to. And I worked full time, I was beating myself up thinking, I've got to make homemade cake. They'll think I'm awful if I don't make home a cake. And then that little voice popped into my head. And I said, it's okay to buy cookies from Sainsbury's and serve them. It's okay. So that's what I did. And as far as I know, the life group, that's a big one for me, isn't it? That's a massive one. <laughs> so that's how I was kind to myself. I spoke to myself and said, you can be kind. It doesn't matter. Thank you. That's fantastic. Anybody else? There were, maybe something didn't turn out quite as they planned, but they chose to speak kindly to themselves rather than critically. I'm sure some of you did, but you're terrified about putting your hands up now. So, um, <laughs> come on. Let's welcome Maria. Whoa. Come on, Maria. Well, I, I definitely get cross with myself, but I was talking to somebody who gave me an idea of actually if. I identify that cross voice with a name and see it as something else that I don't want in my life. I can then talk to it and tell it to go away. And it kind of helped me almost catch myself out and focus on something else and then say, I can just, no, you, go. And then I was all right. Brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. One more. Come on. Here's one. Come on. Welcome. <laughs> so every day I make myself a to-do list and some things are from the day before and they carry on every day for a week or a month. Um, I, think you're, I think you're resonating out there. I think that's <laughs> Just saying what we're all experiencing. Um, and I make it into a game to make it more fun. So I make it into a challenge, like you have to have done, you know, five of the things on your list before 11 C's or something, because I have 11 C's. You should have, the, have 11 C's. Be kind to yourself. It's a good thing. <laughs> but sometimes I get to the appointed time where I've decided I needed to do this amount of things, and I haven't done it, and I've decided I'm going to have a rest. And usually I feel like, oh, but Abby's going to be home from work, and she's going to be cross that I haven't done this thing and that thing. And I go, no, she won't, because she wants me to be kind to myself. And it's okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Let's move on. Okay. Um, (laughs) 
put it here. Suffice one. Okay, so last week we began with this definition of uh, compassion. Uh, we said a sensitivity to suffering in self and others with a commitment to try to alleviate and prevent it. That was kind of our definition we used to describe what compassion looks like. And obviously last week we focused in on the self, the aspect of self-compassion, compassion focusing inward. But today we're going to start to turn outward to look at how compassion flows out of us towards other people. And we're going to look at how compassion can be shown to those around us. We can start to be kind to those around us as we're kind and growing in kindness to ourselves. So uh, I thought we'd start with some people who are really close and personal to you, and those are the people who are sitting around you. Who said hooray? That's great. Um, We're going to think about compassion today in the church. What does compassion look like? in the church, in the church family. We mentioned this uh, verse as well last week um, from 2 Corinthians 1, where we talked about Paul describing God as the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And this is the God that we, we worship. This is the God that we believe in. This is the God that we follow. It's the key part of his nature. He's, that he's a compassionate God and he's a comforting God. And um, I think part of God's plan is that sort of... Um, his compassion comes into us, comforts us in our troubles, and then from that compassion we've received, that compassion can flow out of us to those around us who are suffering or are also in trouble. So it's a little bit like um, this tap concept. God's con- comfort flows into you, you receive God's comfort, and then God's comfort flows out of you to those around you. You've experienced comfort and you provide comfort to those who are suffering. Now, that's how it's supposed to work. But it doesn't always work that well. And if I'm honest, churches aren't always the most compassionate places that we find ourselves. Churches can be... Because the proximity we have to each other, and we're all different from different backgrounds and different experiences. We, more, we all might have a slightly different view on God, a slightly different perspective on what's important and what we need to major on then churches can sometimes not be the compassionate places that God intends them to be. Now, I was thinking this morning about majoring on all the things that could be wrong in the church. I had this great idea of the triple-layer fudge-grudge-judge cake (laughs) that we could kind of think about the recipe for, you know, the fact that we often are quick to judge those around us, we're often quick to hold grudges uh, because people we perceive have wronged us. And then we often do a great job of fudging what it is to authentically relate to each other and show God's love. And I thought, oh, well, that made a great illustration. But then I thought, that's kind of harsh. And uh, it's not very really kind. Um, because we started this whole series on the idea of being kind to ourselves, I decided to take that off the menu today. So the, uh, the triple-layer fudge grudge judge cake, and that looks great, is off the menu. And we're going to focus a little bit more on, I think, the fact that actually, on the whole, Riverside is a compassionate church. I think we are a compassionate people. I think we do a great job of showing kindness to those around us. These are all valid things. We need to think about them, but we're not going to major on them today. The question I think is more important is, how do we grow in compassion? How do we grow in compassion towards one another. Last week we talked about mindfulness. And mindfulness is really helpful to bring us back into the present to recognise where we are, what we're feeling, what's going on for us. It's a great way to 
to bring God into the present of where we currently are. And the other thing mindfulness is really good at is reminding us of our intention. Our intention, what are we hoping to become? What are we aiming for in life? What's our, our direction? What's our goal? What are, we, what are we aiming towards? What sort of person do we want to be? And so mindfulness helps us come back to what's the underlying intention in our life. The Bible encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus like you're running a race and Jesus is at the finishing line and you're aiming towards him, you're running towards him, trying to stay in your lane, trying to stay focused on your destination, your goal. So we could describe that as our overarching intention as followers of Jesus. We're trying to move towards Jesus. We're trying to become more like Jesus. We're trying to become um, a people that reflect him. That's our overarching intention. But we don't just become more like Jesus passively. If uh, you're on the starting line of a race and the gun went off and you just stood there, then you certainly wouldn't complete that race. You definitely wouldn't win that race. You definitely wouldn't get a medal for that race because you hadn't done anything to, to move towards the goal, the intention of that race. We aren't sort of riding a sort of God escalator. You know, that you've seen those travel aiders and escalators in various places, particularly in airports where you stand on them. And if you're a particularly A-type person, you keep walking so you get really fast. <laughs> or if you're a chill person, you just stand there and you just kind of float along and you travel a few hundred yards without having to do anything. And sometimes we think, I, you know, that if just, just being Christians will kind of somehow escalate along and become more like Jesus. I don't think that's the case. I think we're called to partner with the work of the Spirit in our lives. We have a part to play. And in fact, if we just stand still, often we find ourselves going backwards. We find ourselves becoming more insular. We find ourselves becoming more selfish. We find ourselves becoming more self-focused. We find ourselves turning inwards and becoming more judgmental, more bitter, more isolated. Because culture tends to turn us in on ourselves. God turns us outward as we partner with the work of his spirit and so just standing still won't make you and I more compassionate we won't wake up one morning and suddenly feel a lot more compassionate to the people around us so a great thing to think about this morning as you think about compassion let's begin by asking the question what is your intention what is your intention as you sit here this morning what is your intention What's one of the goals that you have in your life? What sort of person do you want to become? What direction do you want to head in? Now, you may have never thought about this deeply. You may have just been kind of going along with life and life has kind of been shaping you, but, or you may have an intention that you've never really expressed or thought about or put into words. What's your intention? When thinking about compassion, we could say one of our intentions is something like this. Jesus, help me to be kind to everyone I meet and kind to myself. A little bit of that is taken from the Lectio 365 prayer that's always there every day. You know, Jesus, help me to be a person who's kind to everyone I encounter today. 
we could tag into there and also kind to myself today. That could be one of our intentions. You could maybe add in something like this. May I have the strength, the courage and the wisdom to address suffering wherever I see it. These could be intentions that you decide to put into your life. And what mindfulness will do, it will help you come back to these intentions throughout your day. So you might choose to be mindful in the morning. You might choose to be mindful in a moment. You might be having a really difficult situation with somebody, a difficult conversation, and you can have a moment of mindfulness where you think, actually, I remember now, my intention is to be kind to everyone I meet. So even though this is going difficult for me, and I'm feeling like I want to react, actually, my intention, my direction is to go this way. And if you practice mindfulness daily and add these intentions to that mindfulness, then mindfulness will bring you back to your intention. Mindfulness without intention is just kind of mindfulness. It kind of reminds you of where you are and who you are. But actually, an underlying intention to that is really, really important. And you may want to remind yourself every day that you want to grow in compassion. Because... The God that you believe in, the God that you worship, is a God of compassion. And so part of your life intention is to become more like him, to reflect him in your own life. So it's really important with compassion that we have intention. Because compassion without intention doesn't result in any change. It doesn't actually express itself without intention. But compassion also needs action. It needs us to move. It needs us to do something. That's why we've called the series Moved, because... Compassion moves us to do something. The word in the Greek is to be moved in the innermost part of who we are, to be stirred in our, in our pit of our stomach to do something. When Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, the, the man moved towards the man who was injured. The religious people moved away from the man who was injured. But the Samaritan moved towards. And Jesus himself, even though he was grieving the death of John the Baptist, he was moved to go towards the crowds because he saw them as helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so he was moved in himself to move towards them and show them compassion because they were harassed and helpless. So coupled with our intentions, we need to add actions because actions add legs to our intention. That's how our intentions get worked out on the ground. So we can think about what are our action, intentions and also what are our actions? What are your actions going to be? As you think about maybe wanting to become more like Jesus, maybe wanting to grow in compassion, what are you going to do to demonstrate that? What are you going to do to enact that? Church is a great place to practice because there's loads of people around here who can really annoy you. <laughs> There's loads of people around here who aren't like you. Church is this strange organisation that draws together people from different backgrounds, different life experiences, different places, different circumstances, and it kind of pushes them together in close proximity. You know what? That's God's plan. That's God's plan to get you all squished up So you start to rub up against each other and you start to have to figure out how to do life with people who aren't like you. How to do life with people who maybe don't think exactly like you, have got different experience to you, have got different priorities to you. 
and Jesus holds it all together. And so whenever we gather, we're this eclectic bunch of people, aren't we? We aren't all little gingerbread people, exactly the same, you know, cut out in the same way, in the same shape. We've all bringing our own stuff to the party, to the table. And we're all a little bit different. So church is a great place to practice the actions of our compassion. When you get ready for church on a Sunday morning, are you thinking actively about what you're going to do when you get there? Probably not, if I'm honest. Most of us kind of think we're just going to, we're going to come, something's going to happen, and we're going to go home again. Yeah, and it's going to form part of our week. Often we don't factor ourselves into being actively present in some way in church. We don't necessarily think, today, when I go to the church family, I'm going to try and enact this. I'm going to try and be this sort of person. I'm going to try and enact that in the way I talk to people or the way I listen to people. And so we've got loads of opportunities when we come together as church family to practice compassion, to enact it. So I thought about a few suggestions that we could do, a few things we could think about enacting when we come together as church family. So we could think, today I'm going to try and enact grace. No matter who winds me up, who misunderstands me, who is just whatever, I am going to try and this morning enact grace. I'm going to try and be gracious to them. That's one thing you could try on a Sunday morning. I'm going to try and speak positively about people. So today when I go into Riverside, I'm going to just try and let positive words come out of my mouth. Regardless of what has happened in the week or maybe I'll be thinking about somebody, I've seen somebody, they've triggered me, I've thought about what they did to me, you know. I'm not going to let negativity come out of my mouth. I'm going to try and enact positivity. I'm going to speak positively about people. I'm going to be patient with people. This is a tricky one. I'm going to be patient with people. You know, I'm going to let them talk. I'm going to, I'm going to try and, you know, just, just, just be patient with their stuff and their story and what they, what they want. They need someone they can tell. So I'm going to be the person, I'm just going to be patient. I'm not going to dominate that conversation. I'm not going to talk over them. I'm just going to be patient. Believe the best. Again, it takes enacting to always believe the best about people. You know, we have to have a choice. Do what, do, where do we let our thoughts drift towards? Are we going to try and believe the best about someone today, people today, as we come together as church family? Speak kindly. We've practiced speaking kindly to ourselves. Can we speak kindly to other people? What do they need to hear today from us that will help them? What will alleviate suffering in their life, however small, if I choose to speak in a certain way towards them? Remember our definition of compassion, trying to alleviate suffering in others as well as ourselves. So if we say something to them that's going to help that, then we're helping to become more compassionate. We're enacting compassion. Give support to, offer support to people. What could I do to come alongside someone this morning? One of the biggest ways we grow in compassion is when we begin to live for something other than ourselves. It's a real powerful motive force that when we think bigger than ourselves, when we think wider than ourselves, and when we actually think, I actually am living with someone greater than just myself, that really enlarges our hearts and really helps us grow in our well-being and spirituality. So... We often come into church just thinking about ourselves and our own stuff. We're in our heads and we're thinking all about our stuff and the stuff we're coping with and all the stuff we're trying to work through and all that and all that's going on. But actually, 
How can I be somebody who is also thinking wider than myself? How can I offer support to someone today? Help to alleviate their suffering. Really listen to. Really listen to. <laughs> someone tested you on a conversation. Would you be able to say, yeah, I've listened <laughs> and I've heard what you've said or have you, has your mind drifted away? Because you can practice mindfulness when you're listening to someone. It will help you be present with them. You know, to listen intently to someone and with compassion really takes intention because your mind wants to get onto your stuff and your mind is thinking about your stuff. But to actually presence yourself with somebody else and really sit and listen to them and have that conversation is a very powerful way of showing love and care to somebody. Because there aren't many people who, we, who will really sit and listen to us. Because everyone's too busy, everyone's too distracted. And so if you come alongside someone, just, just listen to them, that's a really compassionate thing to do. Offer comfort to. How can you comfort that person in their suffering? It might just be a kind word. It might be to say, well, that just, that just is so hard. You know, I want to just sit with you in that and just offer my comfort. Just, just a, a prayer or I might be able to come on to that one in a second. Care for. Forgive. Forgive. So I'm sure the people in this church at some point have hurt you in some way. We talk about dropping a rock on someone's foot by accident or on purpose. Either way, it hurts. Okay? So someone might have dropped a rock on your foot at some point accidentally. They might have done something that you has hurt you and they've got no awareness of it. Or they might have done something that was intentional has hurt you. Either way, you carry the pain. A really compassionate thing you can do is choose to forgive that person. So when you see them on a Sunday or a different setting, you don't automatically go back into that issue. You don't carry that grudge. Actively thinking, today I'm going to see that person in church. I'm going to choose to just practice forgiveness towards them. And pray for A really straightforward thing you can do to demonstrate compassion in the church is to just offer to pray for someone. Not a complicated prayer. It can be a really simple prayer. You know, Lord, I just want to stand with this person today. I want to just pray for the situation. I want to pray for your goodness, your blessing, your comfort. Just having someone stand alongside you and pray with you is a very powerful way to demonstrate compassion in the church. These are just some of my thoughts. You can probably think of another hundred ways you could demonstrate compassion on a Sunday morning or when you, when you gather as family. But the key thing is we're enacting compassion. We are choosing to actively do something. We are choosing to actively put ourselves in a situation and act in a certain way. We're taking control of how we're going to be when we're around people. We're just not going to react. We're going to choose to enact what compassion looks like in the church. So you're taking that intention of maybe Jesus... I want to be kind to everyone I meet. That's my intention. And the way that's going to work for me today, at Riverside, on a Sunday morning, is I'm going to act this way. I'm going to choose to act this way. Now, as we said last week, none of us are perfect. We're far from perfect, and we're not going to do this every week well. You might go and say, I'm going to be really patient today, and the first person really winds you up, and you just lose your patience very quickly. What do you do? You speak kindly to yourself, saying, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try and get better at this. I'm going to try and, this is my direction of travel. This is my intention. I'm going to try and grow in this area. 
Somebody in church will invariably upset you at some point. It happens. <laughs> it happens because we're in close proximity to each other. So how do we show compassion in that situation? What do we do? Do we reach for the infamous fudge grudge judge cake? <laughs> do we put that back on the menu? We like the taste of it. It's attractive. It says in the scriptures, doesn't it, that the gossip is like a sweet morsel that goes down to the innermost parts. And, uh, you know, there's something about sometimes the hanging on to a grudge is quite a sweet thing to do. It feels justified. But actually, we never want to have this as our main meal. We never want this to be the main thing we turn to. It's got to be off the menu. But maybe we get upset, but we choose to believe the best about that person. They're having a bad day. They're having a difficult time. They didn't mean what they said. They, they miscommunicated. They, they didn't really get their point across. I'm going to be gracious to them. I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to go and tell somebody else about what they did. I'm not going to repeat, expose them in, their, in their, you know, their, their vulnerability. I'm going to actually choose to speak positively. Love covers over a multitude of sins, so I'm going to cover that indiscretion with the way I act and the way I speak about them. I'm not going to multiply that in the life of the church. When we do this, we, um, we mind the gap. We mind the gap. This is the, uh, the wording taken from the London Underground uh, stations where there's a gap between the tube train and the platform. When you go there, you either read the words, you'll hear the warning, mind the gap. Mind the gap. There's a gap between the train and the platform. You need to step over it, not step into it. But gaps are happening all the time in our relationships, in, in church relationships. Gaps are appearing all the time where we interface with one another. We've got lots of opportunity to misunderstand one another, to misinterpret one another, lots of gaps in missed expectations of how we think we should treat each other. And those gaps can be in the interface between our relationships. Our communication can leave gaps. Our expectations can leave gaps. And those gaps can leave you and me feeling misunderstood, feeling devalued, feeling rejected, feeling left out, feeling hurt, feeling overlooked. 101 ways those gaps can make us feel negative. The list goes on. And there's always a gap between the gulf of our expectation and what actually happens. That's where the gap forms. So you might think, if Riverside was a great church, then when I come on Sunday, every single person would say hello to me. That might be your expectation. Is it a realistic one? Probably not. You might have an expectation that Simon will always say hello to me. Is that a really expectation? I can say probably not. Um, but that might be your expectation. You might have come from a smaller church where it was much easier for you know, leaders to say hello to everyone, and, uh, and that happened. Uh, so that might be your expectation. And, and you come and, that, and that, that expectation isn't met. And so a gap appears between what you think should happen and what actually happened. And in that gap is where the hurt can grow and where we can turn towards holding grudges, holding bitterness, becoming, having a different perspective on what we think is happening in the life of the church. And those gaps can be real places of pain and frustration and anger. And often people come to me and they say, church hurt me. I've left that church because it hurt me. And what they mean actually is, I've left that church because my expectation about this person wasn't realised. And I've brought that pain with me to this church. <laughs> and hopefully we can, we can find some healing. But... You know, that expectation gap is always where the pain 
can grow, the disappointment, the confusion. And these gaps can appear throughout our lives. And sometimes we confidently step over them. We see them for what they are and we, we confidently stride over them. But sometimes we step into them intentionally, unintentionally. We step into the gap and, and the feelings get exacerbated and we feel, more, um, we feel more pain. We feel isolation. We feel devalued. All these things can take place. And it's in this, in this pain gap that evil seeks to work. Evil seeks to widen that gap and, and whisper the lies and, and say, yes, in reality, yeah, no one cares about you. You are, you know, you are overlooked. And, and the evil seeks to widen that gap and exploit that gap. It says in the scriptures that Satan left Jesus looking for a more, more opportune time. And gaps are great places of opportunity for evil to work and to widen in our lives. So you have to really, we have to really mind them and recognize they are there. Because if, uh, if evil can whisper all sorts of lies into your life, it's like driving a wedge into that gap and it can split you, know, you wide open in terms of um, your relational connections in the church. It's one of the key strategies for the way evil works is to break down the bonds of relationship between us. The Apostle Paul warned this in Galatians. He said, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Apostle Paul recognised in the church in Galatia there was this constant biting and bickering and fighting within the church and that evil was doing a great job of destroying the church from within. The people themselves were actually destroying each other, taking chunks out of each other because they weren't practising compassion. They were seeking to get right and they were seeking to get their wrongs met and they were, and they were just basically taking pieces out of each other. And Paul used this very strong language to say it's like you're eating each other, you're devouring each other. So... The intention and action of compassion helps us to mind the gaps in church. It really does help us to mind the gaps. So when the gaps appear, you come along to church, something happens, a rock lands on your foot, somehow it hurts. If you that morning have decided my intention and action is this direction, then when that happens, you are kind of forewarned and forearmed about how you're going to respond what you're going to choose to do. You've taken control of your intention. You're going to say, actually, that did feel a bit hurtful, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to step into the gap. I'm going to practice compassion towards that person. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to assume they're having a bad day. I'm, just going, to, I'm going to cover that sin with love. See the difference? You're just not, we're not rocking up passively. We're rocking up with intention. We're rocking up with action. We're choosing the sort of people we're going to be. And it's a very different mindset to just coming along to church and passively sitting there and expecting me to change your mind. Because I can help you, I can encourage you, but you have to carry the intention, the action forward in your own life. What sort of person do you want to be at work? What sort of person do you want to be around your neighbours? What sort of person do you want to be around your friends? What sort of person... Better, a really powerful thing to think about is when you die, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want your legacy to be? He was this sort of person. She was that sort of person. This is what I took away from them. Really, really important. What is the intention of your life? So when, we, when the gaps appear, what do we choose to do? Have we already decided that we're going to reach out? We're going to cross the room. We're going to demonstrate compassion. We're going, to, we're going to bridge the gap. We're going to do our best to fill the gap. 
We're going to hold positive thoughts. We're not going to nurture negative thoughts. We're going to resist forming judgments. We're going to resist fudging relationships. We're going to choose to try and live authentically and caringly with each other. We're going to speak kindly, not quickly. That's a fantastic intention. Try to speak kindly, not quickly. The Bible says where words are many, sin is not absent. And what that means is when we speak quickly, we invariably mess it up. We mess it up. We say something that isn't going to be helpful. Let's speak kindly, not quickly. Let's not fudge our relationship. Let's try and really authentically relate well together. So in summary, guys, life is hard. Life is hard, and that's why compassion is so important. We all experience the attrition of life. Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. In this world, you will encounter trouble. You will encounter the sheer hard work of just living day to day. But we live in a culture that doesn't promote compassion. It doesn't promote kindness. It doesn't particularly... We don't particularly develop those muscles on our own. We don't, you know, they aren't strong muscles within us. The church is a great place to develop the muscles of compassion to each other and to the world, wider world. Our culture promotes independence. It promotes isolation. It promotes the self. So when we struggle with the, the difficulties of life, we tend to suffer alone. We tend to suffer alone. We tend to internalize our struggles. We perceive any struggle as weakness so why would we talk about it with other people we just struggle alone but as we practice compassion to ourselves and towards one another it helps to move us towards each other it helps to move us towards god it it helps to reconcile us it helps to reconnect us it brings us back into community it's god's plan that as compassion grows in us, it, it draws us back together. It deals with the isolation and the fragmentation. As we're kind to one another, it reconnects us. It helps us face the challenges of life together, not on our own. So I just want to finish with some advice from Apostle Paul again. He says this, Let's not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So there's that overarching mandate there to show compassion to everyone, but there's also an encouragement that where we can really practice this and begin to get good of it, good at it, is within the family of believers. Because Paul recognizing the proximity of church family. It's a great place to practice compassion, to grow in compassion, especially to the family of believers. Don't get weary in doing good because it costs. Compassion costs you. It's, it's a life exchange. You're choosing to give goodness, receive from God comfort to other people. It's a life exchange. Something has been taken from you when you show compassion to someone. It costs you. So Paul says, don't Get weary in doing that because it can be difficult. It can be hard. It can wear on you. We need that flow of comfort to come into us so it can flow out of us. Because if you keep doing it, then you are actually going to create a change. You are going to reap a harvest. It is the right direction to go. It is the right intention to head in. 
It's a goal to aim for. So if you and I can show compassion to ourselves and show compassion in the church, then we're well-placed to show compassion to the people around us. And we're going, to, we're going to radiate out over the weeks as we think about this topic. So now as a kind of response to today's talk, we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion together. And communion reminds us that we are united in Jesus. We'll come equally to him, regardless of our background or our qualifications, our experience, our social standing. In Christ, we all come together united, equal. And uh, communion is a great place to remember that. So as we share those elements of the bread and the wine, we remember that we are united in Christ. We don't suffer alone. Jesus said, yes, you will have trouble, but take heart because I'm with you. I've overcome the world. I'm going to journey with you. You're going to journey this trouble together. And we're going to, we're going to head through suffering together. And we're going to support each other and comfort each other. And that's the, that's the true nature of the church, the true purpose of the church, a place of compassion. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.